Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth being pregnant with John, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Frederick Beekner's book, Peculiar Treasures, is a, is a different kind of biblical who's who in which he doesn't offer biographies, but rather sort of reflective word sketches of various biblical characters in various biblical scenes. Here's one of them, his entry on Gabriel. She struck the angel Gabriel as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child. But he'd been entrusted with a message to give her, and so he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named, and who he was to be, and something about the mystery that was to come upon her. You mustn't be afraid, he told her. As he said that, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of this girl. Bickner's writing, of course, about Mary. Our Roman Catholic sisters and brothers over the years have perhaps, perhaps made too much of her, praying to her, for example. But we Lutherans and other non-Roman Catholics, I think, over the years have perhaps made much too little of her, seeing her as a silent, dressed-in-blue figure in Sunday school Christmas pageants, but giving her virtually no thought whatsoever beyond that. She merits more than that. She was more than that, much more. She was, in the Greek language of theologians, as, as far back as the 5th century, she was theotokos, literally 
the bearer of God. Less literally, but if Jesus' divinity was in fact literally a real thing, it's hard to argue with. Less literally, Theotokos was sometimes translated to refer to Mary as the mother of God. Which some maybe find a little over the top, theologically or pietistically or literally, and that's okay. But the fact that remains a fact is that when the time at long, 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 long last came, the time that prophets centuries and centuries earlier had promised would come, the time when the people who walked in darkness would at last see light that was the real thing instead of the world's manufactured or tinseled or battery-operated things, she was the one chosen, chosen by the light to be the earthly mother of the light become flesh, the mother of the one who one day would say, I am the light of the world. Why her, do you suppose, and why her specifically? Well, God only knows, of course. Certainly one clearly clear thing to note, however, is that she wasn't chosen for being particularly impressive or powerful when measured by categories the world uses so often to define things like impressiveness and power. In a world where age was respected, Mary was young. 14, 15, 16 tops, many scholars say, for this was a time and a place when women's primary role was to have children, and so as soon as her body physically could, she was engaged and married and physically did. She was a young girl in a time and place when power way so more than now, even with the ways in which we have recently been reminded that in way too many ways, even 2,000 years later, it is nevertheless in some ways sinfully so still. She was a young girl in a time and place when power was virtually exclusively a male thing. She was a young Jewish girl in a time and place when power was pretty much a Roman thing. She was a poor, young Jewish girl. That word lowly she uses later to self-describe when she sings her beautiful Magnificat. That word lowly does not denote simply humility. It denotes poverty. She was poor in a world whose every time and place have linked power with money. She was a poor, young Jewish Small-town Nazareth girl. Nazareth being a small place on the outskirts of nowhere. It was in the heart of flyover country, in a time and place where centers of power, political and religious power, were big places, big cities, where big, important people with big, important egos and big, important buildings published daily press releases about all the big important things they were doing, doing for the poor, they more than once said, but that was to keep their base in line. 
At the end of the day, the poor were always still poor and towing the line while the rich were lining up to scratch each other's backs. And of course, let's not forget, she was a poor, young, Jewish, small-town, unmarried girl in a time and place when to become pregnant outside of marriage was not deemed a moral or social faux pas, but a crime punishable by death. And let's face it, then and now, a young girl's unmarried, pregnant young girl's explanation that I didn't have sex, God made it happen, would not play in either courtrooms or, or rumor mills to positive reviews. Whatever is the reason that Mary was the one chosen to be Theotokos, which, by the way, Luther did prefer to translate as mother of God, the clear not reason she was chosen is that she was, in the eyes of the world, such an impressively obvious choice. Luther actually spent some time kind of playfully speculating that maybe Mary was actually pretty low on Gabriel's initial list of prospective mothers for God's son. He imagined that Gabriel first went to the impressive and the powerful, to the A-list kinds of people, to the top of the ladder kind of folks, the daughters of priests and prophets and generals and kings and so on. But they all said, thanks for thinking of me, but no thanks. I'll pass. I prefer my life the way it is. I've got plans, plans to attend the prom, plans to get into a good college, plans for a career, to make a name for myself. But Mary, lowly Mary, who didn't even have a ladder, much less live her life up near the top of one, humbled her already humble self. She let go of herself. She knew her hopes and plans and dreams, but she surrendered them. She gave them up. She gave them up to the hopes and plans and dreams of God. William Barclay once said that the world's most popular prayer, the world's favorite prayer, the one God heals, prayed his direction almost more than any other prayer, is the prayer, thy will be changed. But the world's greatest prayer, he said, a version which turns out to be the prayer that Mary prayed here, is the prayer, thy will be done. Let it be with me according to your word, she said. I am a little afraid, in other words, but if it's about you, God, count me in, she said. Let it be with me according to your will, not mine, she said. And everything that was to happen did then happen. Because, why? Because Mary obediently, faithfully, courageously agreed to the will of God happening in her. There are actually three Christmas miracles, Luther once also said. Two of the miracles, the virgin birth and the incarnation, though of course miracles were really nothing for a God who can create universes out of nothing.
for God, in other words, in Luther's way of thinking, the miracle of the virgin birth and the incarnation were, well, child's play, pun intended. The greatest miracle of the Christmas story was neither of those things, but rather a third thing, and that third thing, Christmas's greatest miracle, Luther said, was Mary's yes to it all. Mary's faith and her faithful obedience without which those two other miracles of Christmas would not have happened, at least not the way in which they did, because God does not ever force God's desires upon anyone. Mary wasn't forced into her role in the Christmas story. She was promised to. Promised to by the one who doesn't make promises for the purpose of hidden agendas or his own exploitative good pleasure, whatever in the world that might be. She was promised to by the one who makes promises for the purposes of keeping them, for the good, indeed the saving of, the world. And told that she of all people would be the virgin mother of the Savior, she prayed the mother of all the greatest prayers the world can ever pray. Let it be to me, O God, according to your word. My desire, O God, in other words, she said, is for what you desire for the world and for me to be born in the world in me and to happen in the world through me. Mary wasn't just chosen by God. Mary also said yes to what God had chosen her for. Mary wasn't just promised to by God. Mary believed God's promises. And by God, Christmas happened, thereby making possible in the world all that would go on to happen, for God so loves the world. Brothers and sisters, Christmas comes again tonight into tomorrow. Jesus comes again tonight, tomorrow, every day, even now, to you. On this Advent morning of this Christmas Eve day, I want you to invite you to consider the possibility. No, actually, I want to invite you to consider the reality. No, actually, I want to invite you to consider the promise that there are things in this world, all kinds of things in this world, that God would oh so still like to birth and see happen. Light scattering the darkness kinds of things. Joy transforming the world's sadness kinds of things. Mercy lifting up the world's lowly kinds of things. Love loving the hell out of the world kinds of things. Things which are as possible as the fact that God's love one day miraculously birthed into the world you. You personally you and all the possibilities, the holy possibilities, the shining in the dark possibilities of every single holy hope and dream that God birthed and promised you personally into the world 
with. And some of you will say, me, I'm nothing. To which God, the God of a Christmas story, says, perfect. I can work with that. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to your world. Come to us. Come to each of us. And let it be to us. Let it be to me. Even though the only thing I am is only me. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen.